We've been talking about it. It's been on the church calendar for almost nine months, and this day has arrived. Um, When I think back to all the sermons that I've preached over the last 23, 24 years, there are two that jump out at me as maybe the most controversial, two that I received the most negative feedback from. One was a sermon I preached years ago. It was a great idea. I thought it, the title of the message was, was Jesus a Democrat or a Republican? That was roundly hated by everyone. Um, and the reality is he's probably neither. But the second sermon that comes to mind was a sermon that I preached in my Mawikwa days on the body and specifically on uh, obesity and how um, we really are called to make our bodies the very best that they possibly can be. And uh, I was stunned um, as I received feedback from that message at the vitriol, the frustration, the anger, uh, maybe even the hatred that came in. I thought to myself, well, I was solid biblically. You know, there's, no one could really take the task of the scriptures that were shared. But, but I realized at that point for so many people, that's one of those lines that we don't cross. We just don't talk about it. And even when it comes to the church, we don't talk about it. Can, can you preach on sexual sin? You better believe it. Can you preach on gossip and, and uh, all kinds of other issues? Absolutely. Can you preach on substance abuse? Yeah, you get a lot of amens. But you start talking about the physical body, you start talking about the problem of obesity, and for a lot of people, it just it's two hands out. I don't want to hear it. You're going a direction that cuts just too close to home. I pray that that is not what happens over these next six weeks. We're all different. Um, We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different metabolisms. Um, We're different people. And this is not putting in front of you a model of what you need to look like or a behavior that you need to embrace or a lifestyle that works for this person that has to work for you. But it is an honest inside look at five key essentials that I really believe will help us become more healthy in every aspect of our lives. Each week as we go through this journey together, during the sermon slot, three things are going to happen. I'm going to focus in on one of the, the five key essentials for just a short amount of time. You're going to hear a testimony from from an expert or someone that has worked with the Daniel plan or someone that has spent time in the Daniel plan. And the third thing that you're going to get is an extended teaching on the Daniel plan from God's Word. And so that's going to happen each week. Grab your bulletin and turn to page 7. If you have a bulletin on page 7, it says at the top, the Daniel plan. The five key essential elements of the Daniel plan are as follows. Faith, food, fitness, focus, and friends. Faith, food, fitness, focus, and friends. This is more than just the latest diet. This is more than just, I like to bike, so I think you should like to bike. This is more than, let's meet together and walk for 30 minutes and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's so much more than that. It's looking at every aspect of our life, faith, food, fitness, focus, and friends. And my hope and prayer as you get into this journey is that you will take an honest look at your life and where you're at and where you could be and the difference that you could make by making a change here, a change there along the way. We're also going to hear a testimony each week, and I'm going to actually ask Dr. Susan Klein to come up to to the big podium at this point. Dr. Klein, I've asked her to come and share with us um, what the Daniel plan looks like through the eyes of a physician. 
Um, Dr. Klein is a physician, but she's also very passionate about the Daniel plan. She is one of three or four people that really challenged me probably a year and a half ago to consider this study. And so will you welcome Dr. Susan Klein this morning, please? Good morning. Um, I noticed this time when he introduced me, he didn't say he only had five minutes. So I'm going to go on and on about this. Um, he, I think, asked me because I am super excited about the Daniel plan. Um, and so I'm really excited to share this with you today. Um, I want to give you a little history um, on my background. So about uh, seven years ago, uh, I was going through some health issues myself, and I was um, not eating very much. And uh, so it brought to my attention that uh, it was really a need for me to watch what I ate to make sure it was really nutritious. And uh, so that kind of started me on the road, but I was also working with Barb O'Donohue and the COPE mission. And something that she would say just really hit me. She would say, eat to live, don't live to eat. And that just really stood out for me because I realized that a lot of my eating was just entertainment. And so then I was looking at my physical activity and um, I was in my mid-40s and my endurance was really bad. And I thought, wow, I've got to live in this body, well, hopefully, Lord willing, for another 40 years or so. And, and how am I going to do that, you know, because my endurance was really bad. So um, Becky Glenn had invited me to walk with her and some other gals. Um, so I began walking with her and Nancy Martin, Elisa Donnelly, Dee Malansky. And um, so really by walking with my friends I, and building our relationships together, um, you know, with other believers, we were encouraging each other, we were counseling each other, we were exercising together, and, you know, we were accountable to each other. So, you know, if you tell someone else you're going to meet them to walk, you're a lot less likely to back out. Um, you know, oh, maybe the weather isn't so good, or I'm not feeling just quite like doing that right now, but you're, you know, you're accountable, so you're less likely to back out um, from that. So, I also, you know, at that time started um, deciding I really needed more time alone with God in my own personal Bible study uh, and extended time alone in silence and solitude. Um, that's when we started doing the sacred rhythms uh, retreat and the disciplines uh, that help you grow in your faith uh, and your relationship with God. So about a year and a half ago then, um, again, Becky Glenn, I believe, was the one that told me about the Daniel Plan book. Um, I was kind of skeptical. I thought, wow, you know, she described it to me. I'm like, ah, I'm doing pretty good in those areas of my life. I don't think I need to read this book, but I'll get it and I'll look at it. And uh, so I started reading it, and just right away, the first introductory uh, uh, chapter, I just... I just fell in love with it. I, I'm like, before I even finished it, uh, I, I knew that this was something special. Um, it really put things into perspective for me. I hadn't really thought about these areas of my life that I was working on, uh, that God was leading me to work on, and, but it explained the reasons behind why we should. And so um, I really thought, you know, this is God's plan for how we live a healthy body, mind, and spirit life. Um, through these five areas of faith, food, fitness, friends, and focus. So before I finished the book, even, I had already bought a bunch, and I had given them out to all my kids, 
and my family and my friends and my partners at work and several patients. Um, and so, and, and we talk about it uh, at the Sacred Rhythms Retreat as one of the disciplines of honoring the body. Okay, so why am I so excited about it? Well, the book itself, I think, is very readable. It's very understandable. The principles behind it explains very well the reasoning behind why we should be doing these things. So, for example, um, what is nutritious food? Uh, what are the things we should be eating and filling our body with? Uh, so much of our food is poison. I mean, it literally is terrible for our bodies, and we don't know it. We were grown up eating these things, and we just don't know it. Um, so what should we be eating and what should we be avoiding? You know, what does our bodies need as far as movement to remain strong and healthy? Um, we live, you know, fairly comparatively sedentary lives from what God designed our bodies to do. And, you know, what do we need to do to keep physically fit? Um, how is our faith strengthened through time with God and other interpersonal relationships? Um, you know, our lives are so busy we don't schedule time to do these things like we should, and that's really how we gain our strength in many ways. So there's also lots of testimonies in this book about people who have had major life-changing experiences as a consequence of implementing the Daniel lifestyle. Um, so they also explain kind of how, you know, it's not our willpower that helps us do it. It's, as a believer, it's God's power that helps us do it. So for me personally, um, I think I gained a better understanding of the principles about living a wholesome, God-guided lifestyle. I made even better choices on food, and um, my husband, Ken, also became very excited about this, so he's really into cooking right now, so gals, get your husbands and boyfriends into this, because I'm telling you, it's great to come home after a long day at work and have dinner already prepared for you in a very creative way. Um, I'm working on physical fitness. It's not something that comes natural to me. I don't like gyms. I don't even like the word exercise necessarily. Um, and, you know, really walking one to two hours once, you know, or one, one or two hours a week really isn't enough to really help my endurance. Um, so I have, I've found through this book other ways to incorporate movement into my normal day. Um, and I think I have a better focus and a closer faith walk with God. Um, I read this book a little bit every day, really like a devotional. Um, by, and as soon as I'm done reading it, I, I start the book over again. Um, it reinforces things to me that I've forgotten since I read it last. I discover new things that I don't remember reading the time before. Um, so that's how I encourage other people to read it, just, you know, a little at a time, so that you're not overwhelmed and you don't see all these things you think you need to change all at once. Um, you know, little changes over time lead to transformed lives. Um, I want to share a couple of ways that God's confirmed to me that this book really is, is the real deal. Um, at work, part of my job is to work on a wellness curriculum, and so in the last few months, um, I've been working on a lecture for the residents that we teach uh, on nutrition. And so I was doing some research, you know, on, and, and, and one of my focuses was, you know, what does God really, you know, what, what does he say our bodies need as good nutrition? And what's out there as far as evidence-based research 
to tell us what's the best evidence that we know right now that our bodies need to be healthy. And guess who I came across in my research? Um, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's one of the co-authors of the book. Um, he's leading the research. So isn't that awesome? Uh, also recently, I went to a, a brain aging conference. It, it was called um, uh, Brain Aging and Prevention of Dementia. And guess what I found? Uh, the Daniel Plan lifestyle helps prevent dementia. Um, eating nutritious foods and avoiding poisonous foods, remaining active and physically fit, having, a healthy, having healthy relationships and a strong spiritual life, and keep on learning new things. That all helps prevent dementia. Wow. So in closing, I just want to say, uh, I want to encourage you all to just read it. Um, I tell my patients jokingly, but really I mean it, um, get the book, read the book, do what the book says, and you won't need me anymore. I give it up for Dr. Klein. Thank you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives us an extended teaching on the body, and I want to read uh, about 12 verses of Scripture for you at this time. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 12, it says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach, stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And that obviously has a primary context of sexual purity. Paul is primarily talking here about why it's so important to, to be morally strong, to be sexually pure in the context of the body. But within this, there is the teaching of how important the physical body really is. For some of us, maybe you think the body's no big deal. It doesn't really matter what I do. I'm going to die someday. It's not going to matter. I think in 1 Corinthians 6, we see here the body really does matter. So real quickly this morning, let me give you six teachings on the body itself that we can glean from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me give you some tips, some suggestions, and then we're going to conclude with a reading of Daniel chapter 1, where the Daniel plan came from. Truth number one is this, God expects me to manage my body. It's not someone else's job to manage my body, it's my job to manage my body. Verses 12 and 13 say, everything is permissible for me. I can do anything I want to. I can put anything in my body that I want to. I have that ability, I have that freedom, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I think we're going to see going through this, I have seen it already, 
There, there are aspects of my life where food has mastered me, where a substance has mastered me. I'll give you this example. I made a commitment in February after we were getting into this and I was reading it um, that I just, I have too much caffeine in my body. There were days in the winter I would drink eight cups of caffeinated coffee a day. That's too much. And so cold turkey, one Monday morning, I made the decision I'm going to drink one cup of coffee with caffeine and everything else is decaf. And about 1130 that day, I mean, I thought my head was going to come off. My body was screaming for caffeine. And the next day, painful, but a little bit better. And by day four, by day five, I didn't miss it. And I started sleeping better. And I started feeling better. And I wasn't quite as shaky as I was at times. And I realized at that point, I had allowed caffeine to master me. I'm called to manage my body. Number two, the Bible teaches that my body, it's God's property. And we think, it's my body, I can do anything I want to. If I want to defile my body, it's my body. But in reality, the Apostle Paul says, no, your body, if you're a Christian, is God's property. Verse 13 says, the body, it's not meant for sexual immorality. I would put it like this, the body's not meant for abuse, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. My body is God's property. Number three, Paul teaches us that my body will be resurrected after I die. Look at this teaching in verse 14. By his power, God raised Jesus from the dead and he will raise us also. Now, will my body look exactly like this? I don't know. I hope it's a better body, but it's going to be my body. And so the idea that I'm just going to use my body and discard it and it's all gone, the Apostle Paul says, no, God's going to raise us as well. Number four, my body is connected to the body of Christ. I love verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So just think about the ramifications of that for just a moment. My body is connected to the body of Christ. Number five, if I am a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in my body. Verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? When we see baptisms here on Sunday morning, as whoever's doing the baptism, maybe it's a preacher, maybe it's someone else, they say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within my body. Now, that's a, that's a great connection when you're talking about sexual immorality. But it's a great connection when I talk about what I do with my body. Am I abusing my body? Am I taking care of my body? Am I preparing my body for longevity? And then finally, verse 6, Jesus, or point 6, excuse me, Jesus bought my body on the cross. Verse 20, the very last verse of this chunk of Scripture says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body two things I want to just, it's not on your outline, it's not on the screen, but two things I just want you to think about, just want you to put in your mind and think about, is how are you managing your body, and are you honoring God with your body? Just think about that, pray over that, consider that as we delve into this study together. Now, I've got a couple tips each week. I'm going to give you tips, even though I am by no means an expert, but 
this is kind of where I'm at. I'm hoping it will help some of us. Number one is this, do not be afraid to step outside your comfort zone. I certainly am in more ways than one. Um, I don't know any nice way to say this, so I will just say this. I have always absolutely hated eating vegetables. I mean, hated. I think it's something repressed from my childhood. I don't know, but I have hated eating vegetables. And if you've spent any time at all in the Daniel plan, you'll know there's a lot of vegetables and and really diving into fruits and vegetables. And if I was going to say that I am embracing this with two thumbs up and man, I'm giving up the chocolate chips at night and I can't wait to eat the broccoli and the asparagus, I'd be lying to you, but I'm telling you I'm all in. I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. And I know there'll be a period of adjustment. Uh, I had some friends, the, the Kleins and the Glens, and, and others had us over for, for a meal, gave us a Daniel plan meal. The Emery's were there. And, and I went into it thinking, I just don't know about it, and actually enjoyed many of the vegetables that I ate, stepping outside my comfort zone. Will you be willing to step outside your comfort zone? For some of you, the food may be no big deal because you eat pretty healthy. But it may be the fitness element or the faith element or the focus element or the friends element. So be willing to step outside your comfort zone. Number two, this is important as well, avoid extremes. Avoid extremes. What do you mean? Well, if you're like me, you may have some OCD tendencies. I have some obsessive compulsive tendencies. I have a hard time jumping into something just kind of so-so. When I'm in, I'm all in, and I can take it to an extreme. And I would say that I, I like to bike. I get to the point sometimes where biking becomes too obsessive compulsive for me. And I make bad choices based on that. So avoid extremes. Let me give you this example. Let's say you don't run and you make the decision because of testimonies that you've heard and you're going to hear from others. You're, you're going to start running and you're going to go the, what is it, the couch to 5K, something along those lines. And you get ready and you go and you run your first 5K and you are loving it. And it's awesome. And you see that the next weekend there's another 5K and you sign up and you go and do that 5K. And before you know it, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks in a row, you're running 5Ks and all of them are on Sunday mornings. Is that a good thing? Well, it's good to run, but you can take anything to an extreme. If I spend the next ten Sunday mornings running races and not worshiping, that's not good for my spiritual life. So avoid extremes. And then finally, number three, and this is really my heart for the morning, use the Daniel plan as an opportunity to connect others with Christ and to connect others with our church. I bought six Daniel plan DVD teaching discs. Six sessions, Rick Warren teaches, Dr. Hyman, Dr. Amen teach. It's awesome. I'm giving them away to the first six people that come and say, I'm putting together a Daniel plan study group. We have study guides, we have cookbooks, we have everything you need to say, you know what, I have friends that go to the Presbyterian church or the Methodist church, or they don't go to any church, and I'm going to put a study together on a Monday night or a Wednesday morning or a Saturday afternoon, and we're going to join this study together. That's my heart. Make the most of these next 40 days to connect others with Christ first and foremost, but also with First Christian Church. So where did it all begin? Why is it the Daniel plan and not the Abraham plan or the the David plan or the Matthew plan or the Peter plan? It's because one of the real heroes of the faith in the Bible was a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel was a teenager when his native land, Judah, was overrun by the Babylonians. And Daniel and several others seemed to be in pretty good physical condition. 
And so they were carried off in exile to the city of Babylonia, and they were told that they were going to be a part of the king's service. And in Daniel chapter 1, we see this account. It says, the king assigned them, these young men, a daily ration of the best and rich foods and wine from his own kitchen. They were to be trained for a three-year period. Then some of them would be made advisors of the royal court. Daniel, Haniah, Mishael, and Azariah were four men chosen from the tribe of Judah. And that's very common. When, when countries would overthrow another country, they would cherry-pick the very best. They'd bring them in, they'd train them, they'd put them into service. Let's read on. But Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the king's rich food and wine. And so he asked for permission to eat other things instead. The chief official was alarmed by Daniel's suggestion. He said, the king ordered you to eat his food and his wine. If he sees you looking worse than the other men, he'll execute me for neglecting my duties. So Daniel said, let us eat a healthy diet of vegetables and water. Then at the end of 10 days, see how healthy we are compared to the other young men who are eating the king's rich foods. Then you can decide whether or not to let us continue eating our diet. And the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestions. And then here's the rest of the story. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends not only looked healthier, but they were better nourished than the young men who'd been eating the rich foods. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables and fresh foods instead of the rich foods and the wines that were offered. So what's the point? Daniel had faith. Daniel ate the right food. He was fit. He was focused. He had friends. And he changed, literally changed his world for the Lord. And so my prayer over these next 40 days is that we will, with an open mind, say, how can we be all that God is calling us to be? Next week, we delve into Romans chapter 12 and continuing a a study on the body and this idea of what does it mean to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and for the chance to... uh, to just long.